our imagination often causes us problems, but it can be put to good use as well, like sensing, recognizing that we're here together, even if it's through this means of the computer and the internet. But in a very real sense, we're not alone in our interest in the Dhamma and these transforming, liberating teachings. And um, many of us have been part of these different Dharma forms like doing residential retreat practice and now online retreat practice. And I got an email recently from a friend about them taking a class or rather a, a retreat on decolonizing the mind. And it's not just around things like our racial biases, but even our ideas of meditation, our ideas of awakening. We need to decolonize our mind. And you can just imagine, like even now, is this going to be a talk or is this Mark's guided meditation? And then if it's like, if I gave a cue that it's our guided meditation, you might feel like because of how I'm programmed, I need to adjust my posture and look a particular way. Or if it's a talk, well then I can sort of be in a different way. And that's just good to illuminate this kind of programming that maybe is often unconscious. Maybe this time that we have together now for an hour or so can be both a meditation and a conversation and listening to a talk. Maybe it can be all kinds of different things. But awareness doesn't have to come and go or doesn't have to actually change depending on what we think is happening. I'm a little embarrassed to say, you know, I was teaching meditation, leading residential retreats even for a while. And then one day it dawned on me, why do I ring the bell at the beginning of the set? And I realized that's a little weird as if, okay, you weren't being mindful, but now the bell's rung, so you have to be mindful. And I think one of the invitations of a retreat in this style, inspired by our teacher, Saida Utejaniya, is to decolonize our mind around our ideas of what it means to be on this path of awakening and to be mindful, to be aware. And in a, with a really beautiful sense of humor, for the rest of our days here together, get really interested like we can do during this time. Get really interested in that, you know, acting out how our mind has been conditioned around meditation and around spiritual practice. And let all that conditioning be just another thing being known or being felt. 
Saida Utejaniya. I forget the, if this was in a talk or in one of his books, but the awareness we are seeking is unprompted. We are not digging for it. We are simply residing in the ebb and flow of nature itself. We say the mind wanders, but in fact, it doesn't go anywhere. Thoughts arise, that's all. The only problem is we think they shouldn't. Let's just be interested in the nature of awareness that's already here and in terms of our habits, our conditioning around meditation, let's just presume that whatever we think we're looking for, it's already here. This moment will do fine. We don't need a different set of conditions than what is, whatever's happening. We don't need a different posture, although it's totally okay to make adjustments in your posture when you want. Just being aware that that's what's happening, that's what's being known. And how natural it is, and in a sense effortless it is, that awareness is knowing the objects here and now, and that the heart can be reflexively, reflectively aware that objects are being known. So we're remembering that this is being known, this experience, whatever it might be, hearing Mark's voice, feeling awkward is being known, calmness is being known. But noticing that this moment is being known, being felt, and what's the effect in that knowing? So it's a very particular kind of effort to keep remembering that this is being known, that objects of experience are coming and going and being known. So we're practicing keeping that experience in mind, experience is being known here and now. And because of the way our minds are conditioned, we may out of habit feel like we have to do something about what's being known. 
that that can be known to that habit. You want to fix. Or even the habit, the idea of needing to meditate or needing to direct the attention. All of those meditation habits can also be recognized as something being known. The habit to sit up straight. It's not about it being right or wrong. It's just noticing impulse as impulse, whether it's a wholesome impulse or a not useful impulse. Let's stay with this particular question. What does the mind, the heart need to keep in mind? What is it that we're remembering, remembering to notice? Remembering to notice what's being known. That knowing, that natural functioning of the mind we call knowing, that knowing is doing its job. The heart is sensitive. In a way, it's sensitive. Teachers have already talked about the sense, six sense gates. But it's easy to forget, to be lost in thought or whatever. It's easy to forget that thoughts and emotions are being known and felt and sensation being known and felt, sights and sounds, and to some degree smells and tastes. And just inviting the body and the mind to relax and soften and trust and allow things to be. And even inviting the mind to stop meditating so that we can notice 
how natural it is, knowing, knowing just continues. And that it's possible to keep this in mind. And with a lot of kindness, noticing habits of trying to meditate or trying to make something happen or make something go away. And of course, all of that activity is just the next thing being known, can be just the next thing being known. Sometimes it's like this, the mind is trying to fix the mind or trying to make something happen, feels like this. And you might begin to sense a subtle pleasure, subtle joy of being present in this way with wisdom. First, the world, the activity of the mind and the body is still the activity of the mind and the body, but the mind is realizing it doesn't have to be in conflict. So notice that lightness, that subtle joy when it's present as something being known. Whether you call it, see it as calm, settledness, stability, but it too is just something being known here and now.
and the way that wisdom can be brought in. It's really the gift of our teachers from the Buddha on down. And basically they're saying that whatever experience might show up, that it's workable. Pleasant, unpleasant, confusing, subtle, gross. It's workable because it's just something being felt, something being known. And even if the heart reacts, that reaction is something being known. So we're sitting here, letting nature be nature. In a sense, aligning with nature, the nature of this activity of the body and the mind, this activity of experiencing. And it can be especially useful to recognize moments of scrambling. When you catch the mind scrambling to get back to what it thinks is its practice. Just recognize that scrambling. Oh, this is what's happening now. This is what's being seen or felt.
it's a real relief not to have to make sense of our practice or even understand where we think it's going. In a sense, we're learning to abide in this wise and stable, continuous knowing. This is being known, this is being felt. And sensing that this radical simplicity and directness, sensing that it's transforming, that it's wholesome, being intimate, free of attachment. And of course, when attachment arises, eventually wisdom awareness sees that as being known. Attachments like this, feels like this. Everything's workable. And as the practitioner, very simple responsibility, which is being interested interested in what's being known. And of course, this is an interest without judgment.
And for the last couple minutes, just see about sustaining this interest in the present moment, in the knowing. And then in a moment, I'll ring the bell, but just be interested in that transition and how might the awareness just continue to be natural and simple, whatever the body does, whatever the mind does. So you might have noticed because of the prompt, just that desire to be uncontrived after the bell rang, like, and then that's okay, that trying to be uncontrived. The interesting question is, did the mind notice? 
trying to be uncontrived is like this. Or maybe for some of you it was more of a rebellious, don't tell me what to do, you know? And then that can be noticed, that response, or not wanting to lose whatever calm came from the relatively quiet time. And here we are, right? And it's the same thing. There is this activity of the mind and this activity of the body. All of it is being sensed with the, what we call the mind or the heart right here through these six kinds of sensitivity, sensitivity to the mind, activity of the mind, sensitivity through the five sense gates of hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching. And the relevant thing is it's being known and the mind can know that it's being known. And the interesting question to us is, is making the effort to remember that this is being known, being felt, this continuity of present moment awareness, what does that set in motion? I wonder if uh, Carol and Alexis and Andrea, and, and I think Nisha was there as well when Sayada Utejaniya was at Spirit Rock back in 2015. And one of the practice groups that I was in, he looked at us all, and there were a lot of teachers in the group, and uh, kind of that trickster look like he was going to put us on the spot. And he asked, um, Is the Dhamma optimistic? Is the Dhamma pessimistic? Then he sort of stared at us as if like he wanted us to commit optimistic or pessimistic. And a few brave people kind of weighed in one way or the other. And a lot of us sort of hid our heads so <laughs> we wouldn't have to choose because you sensed that it was a, a bit of a setup. And sure enough, you know, once he got enough people to commit to one or the other, he said, no, it's realistic. The Dhamma, these teachings, these practices, it's realistic. It really, it's not about gain or loss. It's about seeing clearly or connecting with things as they are. And from our subjective point of view, the, a simple way of understanding our subjective, immediate, experience as a, as a human being that summarizes all moments, now, anything that's been passed, anything to come in the present and the future. The simple, honest truth is it's something being known. Every moment of our lives, past, now, and future, it's just something being known, something being felt. And if you feel like you want to argue with me, that too is something being known, something being felt. Now, we don't always recognize that, which is why we have this practice and why, you know, we find Saida's teaching so useful because he has a particular talent of pointing right to this place in practice, which is really simple and subtle and has a particular flavor of freedom when we 
see this. And mostly we get that first, those initial tastes of freedom working with the hindrances or working with the difficult states of mind, difficult habits of mind, where we're caught up and being tormented by, you know, self-hatred, self-judgment, or somebody else pushing our buttons or whatever it might be. And then the practice kicks back in and wisdom awareness recognizes that that anger, that irritation is just that experience of the body and mind being numb. Now, the, in a sense, the experience hasn't changed. What's changed is the mind went from its more normal identification with the irritation to this wisdom awareness, knowing that it's being known. And even in a relative, I mean, this is a simple moment that I'm guessing all of you have had in your own way, in your own ways these last couple of days now, I guess. And the added thing then is to notice the, that lightness, that freedom, that sense of non-entanglement that's right there when the mind goes from identification with a difficult emotion to a simple recognition that that difficult emotion is being felt and known. Now, of course, that lightness, that joy will be subtle. It's not gonna necessarily knock us over. So we have to really sense, because that feeds the practice, that really builds sincerity. One of the most moving things from that retreat in 2015, I think it was probably the last day, and Sayada was giving sort of the pep talk. And he just, the way he said it, you could just tell it was coming from the depth of his heart. Um, and this is a really rough paraphrase, but something to the effect that uh, what, what really breaks his heart, Sayada's heart, was that what, what retreatants and practitioners need to really bring the kind of sincerity and persistence to the practice is seeing how much value there is in doing the practice. And so the way he said it was, if yogis, if retreatants, if you all, if I knew the value of the practice, then I would learn how to make the appropriate effort. Not that, as many of the teachers have been talking about, not that sort of hard-edged effort. That's actually relatively easy for us human beings to do. I mean, just all you have to do is take a jet over the country or any place on Earth and to see how the human beings have transformed this planet. Um, not necessarily for the better, of course. So we human beings, we know how to make effort. That's not the problem. But it's this wise effort. It's this very subtle effort of really coming back to the most simple truth, which is something is being known and keeping that in mind. That particular perspective that right here, this subjective experience is simply something being known, being felt. Well, what is that? Can I keep that in mind? the mind, the knowing mind, knowing what it's knowing. Can I keep keeping that in mind? 
and it really protects us from you know what would otherwise happen which is we get addicted you know the endless sense impingement one thing being known after another when that wisdom awareness isn't there then the default system in the mind is acting out our likes and dislikes that's what we know and when that you know when the stress of acting out our likes and dislikes getting pushed around by pleasant and unpleasant and ignoring the neutral when that stresses us out well it's like even when we get some clarity about how oppressive it is to be caught in my likes and dislikes what do we do think about your own situation you know there you are all day long chasing your likes getting rid of your dislikes and then you kind of get some sense of how endless that way of being in the world is well then we we kind of want to like get me out of here so we basically chase another something we like but it's like i want oblivion i want to go to sleep i want to take a hot bath i want to have a couple glasses of wine i want to do this i want to do that but it's like i don't want to be tormented by my likes and dislikes so give me something help me escape and of course that just is another lap of samsara another round of chasing our likes and dislikes so these wisdom teachings from the buddha clarified by our teacher sadhu tejaniya for us really is developing this practice where we're bringing that wisdom right to the present moment over and over again building some momentum some continuity and it doesn't mean we have to be smart or understand in some conceptual way what the underlying nature is because wisdom or insight develops not by figuring out what the underlying truth is but by doing the good job of collecting data that we're collecting data with a lot of integrity by simply recognizing the knowing mind knowing experience okay the mind or the heart is sensitive what's it sensitive to right now and when whatever you're sensitive to feels overwhelming right too much then you can always ask well what else can the mind know you don't always have to look open to the most difficult experience that's happening in the moment there are many objects many experiences of the mind and body so even though we teachers were not emphasizing coming back to the body coming back to the breath coming back to hearing all of us practitioners we naturally find our way of often letting what's predominant naturally come to the forefront oh this is being known this being felt but when what's come what's predominant comes and comes and we the mind is uh you know the habit of being averse the habit of being greedy the habit of wanting to disconnect can get triggered and if there's not enough stability we can't really be with what's predominant so that's when we can ask well maybe i'll go outside and take a walk around the block maybe i'll go wash the dishes maybe that activity that physical activity of washing the dishes i can actually be in that place where this is being known this is being known
oh, it's like this. Touching is like this, smelling is like this, seeing is like this. So there really is some um, like permission to turn the attention to other aspects of present moment experience as needed. Because what we're really interested in is developing that momentum and that confidence in that way of relating to the present moment. Oh, this is being known. So we're aware, reflectively aware of the knowing mind, knowing one object after another. And so in that sense, it doesn't, the objects don't matter as much, except that when particular objects are triggering a lot of habit energy, a lot of reactivity, and there's not enough stability to notice the reactivity as just the next thing being known, that's when we ask ourselves, well, okay, what else can I be aware of now? And then we do that activity or move in that direction or turn the attention there and continue the practice. And even if this sense of um, subtle joy that I mentioned in being present, if, if that seems now to be escaping you, one way to get a sense of it is we, we, it is relatively easy to notice the squeeze in the heart and body when the mind is entangled with greed, anger, and delusion. How things appear or sensed as being heavy or hard or tight. So less of that has the flavor of release, has the flavor of joy, right? So even if we're tight, but we've gone from being very tight and then to some degree the mind recognizes, okay, the mind, the body's really struggling. It's like this. It's this experience of the mind, this activity of the mind and body being known. And then maybe the subjective experience of being gripped goes from very intense to less intense. Then we want to notice that is also being known, that the beginnings of releasing, the lightening up, the freeing up is being known. If we don't notice, if we don't encourage the mind to notice the rightness, the lightness, the joy of wisdom awareness, then what's going to happen, even when we build some momentum, then if we're not aware of that lightness, like the heart feels less encumbered, less entangled, well, that, that joy and the not seeing it, not recognizing it as something being known, will generally confuse the mind. And the mind will start fantasizing, you know, we'll sort of use the energy of the joy to think, well, now I can be bad because I feel so good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting how hurting, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally hurting, kind of sobers us up. Okay, I need to pay attention. I need to stop being so caught up and really start learning how to take care of myself. But when we're feeling good, it's like, who has an incentive to practice? So it's really important, especially as the days go by and you naturally start to have more moments where there's some momentum 
and with that momentum, some lightness, some sense of well-being and ease and joy to notice those qualities when they're there. Of course, sometimes it's like this. There's joy, there's calm, there's lightness, there's space, spaciousness. It's like this. So before taking a few questions, I'll just take one that was written in the... Uh, um, in the place where you write your questions to us. Um, so um, maybe we should stop recording at this point. Um, we're not recording the Q&A times. So somebody asked, where... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.